Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to languages for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Dent, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks of Neomothotep in our transitional phase. And so we've boarded a ferry, and we are crossing to France, and we've noticed something a little strange about this vessel. Uh, But first, we're going to get to introductions. So to my right. This is Tiffany. I play Maeve O'Shea, and even though I'm angry at the doctor, he still knows how to get my attention. Well, he is a doctor, and uh, he knows his patients. To Miss O'Shea's right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I really, really like this new neck piece that I have. At least I really like keeping it hidden from everybody else. It's fascinating. In fact, it makes you feel a little funny, but in a good mm, way. And that's the way I like it. That's right. At all the, right, uh, all right, all right. At the end of the table. <laughs> this is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle, and uh, we're on a boat. You are indeed on a boat. Uh, and last, but most certainly not least. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. And yeah, I'm a hard person to be mad at for long. Wondering you. So speaking of that uh, dynamic Doc and Locke duo, the two of you are uh, heading through the dining hall towards the front of the vessel. After some dodging of staff and getting through to uh, these, uh, there's a couple of doors here that you have to pass into to get towards the front of the ship. It's enclosed. And even passing in through these areas, you see that some of the paneling in here has been marked up by something. There are little tiny scrapes and scratches that you would norm- would never normally see on a boat like this. It's as if a, I don't know, it's as if something came through here. You can also tell that the doors that you pass through, these swing doors that you pass through to get into this area, at one point they had circular glass in them. But it's been removed and they put some sort of faux covering on it. Hmm. Something happened in here. You're seeing what I mean, yeah? Yeah, something happened. Well, um, I, I think I have a plan. I have an idea. Oh, Mike, Doc looks around. Does he happen to see... I mean, the fairy's not that big. Um, does he happen to see the large deckhand that he saw earlier? Not offhand. You're figuring he's probably still outside. Well, then, once we've examined this area, we'll, I'm going to kind of lightly tug on Mib's elbow and get her in the direction of going the way I believe him to be currently. Okay, so you're probably going to proceed further towards the front of the vessel. So two of you are going down a pretty long hallway. Uh, and you can see that uh, even the picture frames here are a little scratched up. Like 
it's almost as if know, sand came through here at a high speed or something like that. Or broken glass. Maybe. How many windows are around us? Well, in this specific hallway, none. There are mostly doors, but there is glass, uh, a glass door in front of you that leads out towards the bow of the ship, the, the actual front of the ship. Uh, and then there's a stairway to your right, and you can see that it goes, uh, what you think, imagine it goes to the controls up top. And then there are a couple of other doorways here. It looks like there's a, the doorway to the galley where they make the food. There are a couple of staff members moving in uh, and out of this space, too. But they're carrying drink trays and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So moving fully forward, you get to the door, which would normally lead to the bow of the ship. And you can tell that the door has been fastened as if it's been locked. You can still see out under the front of the vessel, though. Um, you have a little bit of visibility on this area to your uh, out into your left, Doctor. But if you want a full vantage of it, you're probably going to have to get higher. All right, not a problem. Uh, all right, well, if we can't get out this way, it looks like somebody conveniently locked the door. I'm going to tug our, you know, turn and go out so that we could go to wherever the, the causeway and I assume ladder is for or stairs going up mm-hmm. to the vantage point above where I assume the navigation area is and such. Yeah, you can get up there from here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to probably run directly into ferry staff, but you can get up here. Oh, yeah. I proceed there until I run into a staff member. You run into a door first, but inside that you can see several staff members, one of which who notices you and turns and comes to the door. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I politely knock. I don't just, like, barge in all, you know, no, American I and whatnot. I, yeah. I wouldn't assume so. Uh, he comes oh, to the door. yeah! Kick-a-boom! <laughs> <laughs> he comes to the door. Uh, yes, uh, may I help you, Michel? Uh, I'm guten Tag. I'm, I understand that this is probably against protocol, but... My friend and I, we were just wondering if if we could utilize the vantage point to really get a, a, a good view of the channel, just briefly. Um, she is an artist, you see, and she would like to remember this so that she could paint it later, yeah? Mm-hmm. And he gestures to Maeve. Well, uh, uh, one moment, Bissio. You see the gentleman turn around and he heads back towards the, where the Assumably the captain is steering the ferry. Yeah. They seem to have some words. He briefly turns to Maeve. Big grin. Turns back. You see the um, gentleman come back over. The, uh, Monsieur, the, the captain has said it is perfectly fine, but you, uh, you must be very brief, you understand. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Danke schön, danke schön. It is most appreciated. Thank you very much. He, he leads you he leads you around so he okay. kind of takes you in a very wide arc around where the captain and the first mate are, are working and, and steering away the ship. from the important stuff uh-huh like not even within like a two arms length of any control absolutely and you get to a a doorway on the opposite side of this command mm-hmm. section and you can see that there's a a series of stairs that run down mm-hmm. this side of it which land on the deck portion which of course you were not able to get to because 
you were you were pulled back. Yeah. But from this vantage point, you have an amazing view of the channel, but you also see rather tellingly that there's a big um, something <laughs> that was mm. landed on this deck or was burned into this deck or something. It's been covered by paint, but mm. the paint doesn't completely match the hue of the fairy anymore, and there is ripples in the wood. Mm-hmm. Given a moment or two, could I, if I really study it, and if she really studies it, could we perhaps pick out roughly what was burned into the wood? And it's an occult roll. Oh, wunderbar. I don't know if anyone, do you have occult, uh, Tiff? No. (laughs) Okay, I don't, oh God, I have to do everything. Jeez, (laughs) it's ridiculous. Yeah, well, I hope you do, because I do not recognize this simple at all. 13 out of 83. Okay, Wonderful. so that's uh, extreme. Uh, yeah, because 41 is a yep. hard, and yep. then 16 is an extreme. So this symbol is something rather concerning. Uh, the symbol that's been burned in this deck is some sort of summoning symbol. It's likely powerful. You can see from this, the circles here and from the radiating out, it looks like whatever was centered here has, has probably rippled and burned the wood itself. Uh, so either someone was standing here when they summoned it or someone focused their energy from afar and told it where to be. And if that's the case, then whoever pulled this off is way more powerful than your your everyday average um, parlor trick magician. Can I work out what possibly was summoned? Probably, even with the extreme roll, you'd probably have to get a little bit closer. Uh, it's likely that it's elemental in nature. Right, with the fire and I can't tell from where we're at because we're f- too far away to see if it's still like ra- radiating any kind of. Yeah, unfortunately, you're not up too high as far as being able to see the symbol, but you're up a little too high to get detail. And they've painted over it, and so even though there is something there, it being painted over probably completely obscures uh, any natural and ease of of the uh, sight you'd have on it. How long ago does it look like this was painted? Probably no more than a day or two. It's It's been painted pretty recently. The paint isn't even dry. I look around where we're standing, roughly where we're standing, Mike. Is there anything mm. else here? Like, does it look like this area was repainted or anything? I mean, this is pretty much a perfect vantage point for it. It doesn't look like it. But if you didn't know any better, Doctor, you think that maybe they used the wrong paint? Like, maybe they used a paint that they were able to get a hold of, but not a nautical paint. Mm-hmm. And it's flaking and falling apart, essentially? Well, it's just not curing. Yeah. It's not It's not a holding against the rigors of the sea. I glance back at the officers inside. Are they paying attention to us anymore right now, or are they doing ship things? They are beginning to pay attention to you, because... 
yes, you're looking out at the channel, but the two of you have been kind of sort of staring over the edge at this portion of the deck for a bit. I, I mentioned to I look up. <laughs> yeah, I'll look out. And as we're both kind of looking out at the ocean and stuff, I, if I offended you, I am a sorry. I do not mean to. You know that. I just care for you, and I want what is best for you. Who knows that? Do I? Don't you? I don't know anymore. Well, perhaps it is not me that has changed. You know, you can always talk to me. And yes, I know I am a little busy right now, but always you're going to have to get something for me, okay? What's that? Hey, Mike. Mm -hmm. I accidentally dropped my cane on the deck below. Okay, so to do that, you'd have to open the door. Oh, okay. So, like, the deck below is below, like, down a stairway, out that door. So you'd have to open the door. As we're walking in. Well, no, like, not as you're walking in. So remember, this doorway is on the other side of where you came in from. Uh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I open the door like I'm just going to lean out and look with an un a more unobscured view. Okay, as soon as you open the door, the gentleman who let you in comes over. Okay. Miss Monsieur, we're not allowing anyone on the, to that portion of uh, the deck. Please, uh, come back inside. Oh, yeah, I, I do apologize. I am sorry. In the few seconds, do I get in that second or two, do I get any better look? You don't get any closer to it, per se, so you don't okay. get a better look. Um, it does give you the opportunity to drop your cane. And I will do so. Um, can I, like, fumble the crap out of it? I mean, voluntarily fail a, a, a dex roll? <laughs> no, but you can make me a persuade roll to see how persuasive okay. you are in selling it. Uh, how, how, how persuasive can I be at dropping something? That's a good question. Uh, a terrible 84 out of 10. <laughs> Um, it's you, so bad that it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't normally have been able to sell this. Let's face it, Doctor. You're not necessarily a um, a social juggernaut in that regard. No. But as the fates would have it, you sell it to this person. Huh. And they are a bit exasperated. Oh, Monsieur Yorkane. And you see oh. him step out. Uh, uh, stay, stay here. I will, I will go and get it. Oh, I don't, don't worry. My friend can here get it. And I look at Maeve with like yeah, a very I direct start moving stare. towards. <laughs> okay. Stairs. So you have to go to the stairs. You'd have to go down the stairs to get it. Okay. As he comes over, I stumble against the door frame so that he has to kind of hold me up because I clearly don't have my cane. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's an easy sell. He stays and, and holds you up and you're going to go down and get his cane. Yeah. Okay, so in doing so, you'll get a lot closer view. Mm -hmm. And I'd like you to make me a Cthulhu Mythos roll. Ooh. 96 out of 30. That's not a good roll. Come on. No. You could spend luck. Uh, that's way more luck than I have. Push it. <laughs> I could push it. Yikes. What bad thing could happen with pushing a, C a Cthulhu Mythos roll? I mean, really. Nothing. Well... Nothing. <laughs> Other than brain pudding. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so you have some options. Mm -hmm. you, you could spend luck. Mm -hmm. um, you could push the roll. Mm -hmm. Those are really your options. Obviously, probably a fair amount of luck. 
you may not want to spend that much luck. Mm -hmm. uh, if you choose to push the roll, again, as your keeper, I would remind you that failed push rolls are exceedingly bad for investigators. Yes, they are. And you can't spend luck after a push either. Right. Yeah. No. Does it feel like there's energy coming off of it still as I'm down there? No. Whatever's, whatever energy brought this on is gone. I'll just get his cane and come up and then hand it to the doctor and look at the guy that's helping the doctor and be like, I noticed there's some damage. What happened? He gets ashen-faced. Oh. Oh, yeah. I, 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 um, we, don't have, we did not talk about it. It was a terrible storm. A, ter a terrible storm. He seems to get very frustrated. Psychology roll. Yeah, either that or I was gonna use my performance and, you know, like touch him and be like, I know how bad some of those storms can be. <laughs> Let's hit him with a double team. It's dock and lock. <laughs> Together again. I, I got a, a, a 15 under 79 extreme success for psychology. 28 out of 68. So, Doctor, you get the immediate impression that he has seen something that his brain is telling him is not real. And, and he's banging around inside the, the, in the recesses of his memory. And it's probably traumatized him, at least it did at the time, to the point where he's covered it in just like this complete morass of rationalization. He's made a sanity pearl out of it. Oh, yeah. He's had to. Okay. Uh, okay. Which is totally natural for the brain to protect itself. Absolutely. This man is suffering from what we would call now PTSD, but back then it's like the 20-yard stare and, uh, yeah, the shakes. He calms a bit when you try to center him. He seems to focus a bit on you, Miss O'Shea, and he seems to, to, to try to pull himself together, and he finishes handing the, the cane back to you, Doctor. It was a very bad storm, and... Um, it took me, um, it took me a little while to get myself together again. And you don't know who caused that storm? No, no. Uh, it was a, um, there was an enormous bolt of lightning, and it hit the front of the ship, and we lost, we lost, um, this, this, this wind picked up, and it blew its way through the ship, and people were caught, and, and and there were passengers that were hurt, and we had to, to take on extra supplies when we reached France because there were so many people that were injured. Absolutely. Did everything go dark? Yes, the whole ship went dark. Hmm. We have heard of we have heard of this before. We have been in a similar storm. I, you know, I um, clasped his shoulder reassuringly, mm -hmm. and I meet his gaze and in that you know calming therapist way believe me we believe you and we understand we have seen things comparable but it sounds like you have been through something horrible if you wish to talk to me on the way over I am a doctor who is trained to help people in such things I would not mind and I would believe you so what my friend here Jester's Miss O'Shea. Yeah, I'm gonna help like straighten out his jacket and everything and be like, you're not crazy. Everything is okay. 
he he seems a little socially overwhelmed. He gets very red in, in the face, especially with like the with with you like making sure that he looks nice. Like it's very mm-hmm. um, he seems very aw- awkward immediately. <laughs> I take my cane from him finally and stand up. Thank you, and thank you again for letting us see the channel. It was quite wonderful. And we turn, and I offer the doc offers his elbow to Miss O'Shea. Yep. Okay. The two of you take off. Yep. Jack and Lillian, you have had a little time to yourself now. A few drinks, likely, on the way over. Food as well. This ferry ride is calm. It is relatively relaxing, and yeah, I mean, it's pretty much miles better than your last trip to France, Jack. Yeah, company's better at least. Last time Jack was boating to France, he was surrounded by doughboys. So right, right. I'm sure that the I'm sure Miss Lane is just slightly, slightly better than the doughboys, yeah. right? I mean, yes. Yeah. Even as a hot mess. Right. But you're in your bourbon and you've relaxed at this point, and I'm sure that you're finding ways on the ferry over to uh, continue to relax. Uh, Jack, you're noticing just as the two of you are probably engaged in, in minor conversation that there are some passengers here who are paying Miss Lane quite a bit of attention every now and again. Um, admirers. Maybe. Probably know roughly who she might be. She's a public She's a public right. figure. Yeah. I mean, there's probably some fairly upper class and so they have a better idea of who Miss Lane would be than... Yeah, likely. I mean, there's several small groups of upper class folks here whether they be businessmen, whether they be, whether, whether they're French or whether they're English, going heading back and forth between the two countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely money here, at least on the ferry. So her people. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's looking like one of her people at the well, moment. You know. So what are the two of you doing with the rest of your trip over? I uh, look over at Jack and I stand in, let him know that I'm, I'm going to go get some air on the deck. Would you like some company? If you'd like to join me, you can. I just, I probably feel the prying eyes um, in there, and I feel a little undressed, like almost naked compared to how I normally would. But while it wouldn't bother me under normal circumstances, I really don't want people staring at me. No, if you want to be, if you want to be alone, that's fine. Okay, so you stand up and head out. You see that? You see, um, Mister Shea and the doctor walking. And I'm back from what looks like maybe more the the galley in the middle in the front of the ship back towards the seating area. I look over at them and I turn around and head the other way. Because while I would have been okay if Jack would have joined me, I would have much rather be alone at this moment. That's fair. Uh, so, uh, Doctor and Miss O'Shea, uh, make me spot hidden rolls, please. Nine under 80, extreme success. Oh my god! Doctor seeing everything today. Damn it. <laughs> 67 out of 75. Okay. Doctor, you see, you see Miss Lane kind of ID the two of you, and she makes a hard left, like, almost immediately towards the side of the ship. And when she does, there is something around her neck. There's, like, a bronze or brass-colored necklace that she's wearing. You are not familiar with visually. It strikes you immediately make note of that. Hmm. 
I kind of look at uh, look at Miss Lane as she walks away and look at Miss O'Shea and I seem to be getting a lot upset today. Was it something I'm going to say? Hmm. Go over and sit down next to Jack. Pull out Maeve's chair. I'll uh, awkwardly sit down. So, Jack. Jack? We found something. Oh, did you? It seems like somebody's always finding something. Well, I, you know, I have to find something to do, otherwise you get up to no good. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So, we found something quite interesting. One of the crew members happened to tell Miss O'Shea and I about how lightning apparently hit the deck out here and caused um, damage to the deck. Is that where this painted over? Yeah, but uh, I... He kind of gestures a little bit to uh, Maeve as if, you know, English is not his first language. He just said that there was a storm and that lightning hit the deck and everything went dark, kind of like our last boat ride. I hope it's not exactly like our last boat ride. Well, I don't know. But it's it happened about a day or two ago. Really? That soon? That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. And whatever happened to this man, Jack, it, it shook him to his core. It, it, it. I will say that whoever made this happen is not somebody we want to go after. We're not prepared. We're not strong enough. So, this is something that we also must keep our eyes open for, yeah? Yeah, because if they're heading in the same direction, or if they're a few steps ahead of us, maybe following the same trail, I mean, who knows anymore where these strings connect? Well, I mean, for all we know, it happened heading to England. Maybe whoever was going was going that way. We have no idea. That's entirely possible. Um, I forgot to ask. No, he said that they had to take on extra supplies when they got to France after everything happened. So they were heading to France when it happened. It could be a coincidence. It could be. Doc just levels a gaze, a, a kind of a flat gaze at Jack before breaking out in another smile. Uh, when has it ever been coincidence for us, Jack? I'm just saying, right? <laughs> But yeah, we can we can kind of keep an eye open, especially if we're heading in the same direction. So, while it is the three of us here, um, he kind of looks over towards the door that Miss Lane went through. I would thinking that we are all going to want to keep our eyes on Miss Lane. Can we all decide who we want to keep our eyes on? Because it seems like every time we talk, somebody is a different target, and I'm getting really Why not? no. I am getting tired of it because everything that I have done has been to protect all of us and has been to make sure that everybody stays safe, yet I am constantly a target. You guys think I have lost my brains? Like, I am... You keep handing me things so that I can learn more because I like to learn and I am fast at it and I know these things, but then when I use them to our advantage, you all get upset. No, no, no. We're, we're not. We're not upset. 
No, no one ever said that we were upset with you for what you do. No, you you haven't said anything to me. All you've done is give me sideways looks or pats on the hand when you talk about people that need help or isn't all there or is of some concern. Because I am concerned for I am a doctor, Liebchen. It's what I am doing is concerning for all of you. I would argue that I am held more together in my mental faculties than other people that are with us. And it's not just the one person that is sleeping in his cabin. And nor would I argue with you after what we have been through for the last period of time. We have all taken on not only physical, but psychological scars that will haunt us for the rest of our lives. Hmm? The basement of the Juju house? That was horrifying, and I still see it in my sleep. What I am concerned about is not that you have this capacity. It is how the capacity is affecting you. And that was what I'm worried about. I do not, it is not a trust issue. I trust you. Of course I trust you. If I do not trust you, then I would have said something long before now, yeah? It seems like that I'm not trusted, and I just want you to know that it is tearing me apart that I didn't have anything to save Lawrence. I had nothing. Well, none of us did either. Neither we. We all lost Lawrence. And none of us had the capacity to save him. Do you not think that I have not sat up many nights now thinking about how that sound and how that there is no, nothing in my learning, nothing in my medical ability that I could do to save him? I, I'm just saying that I don't care what happens to me if it benefits and makes sure that you guys survive. Yes, exactly, which is why we have to care what happens to you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, on the nosy. Yeah. We have to care for you because you are not caring for yourself, Liebchen. I am fine. You say that, but what is fine? What is the word fine? No describes fine. Sand. Small grains that large rocks ground to nothing. That what is fine. It is okay to be not fine. And still be good at something. Look at Van Gogh. Hmm? Yeah, beautiful painting. I'm not going to cut my ear off. That's not what I am saying, Liebchen. I am saying that it is okay to be outside of the box and to be excel at what you are doing and to let other people care for you. It is not that we do not trust you. It is that... It is that if... You were to fall into a river. Yes, we trust that you are going to be swimming, but it does not mean that we will not throw you a life preserver still, yeah? Hmm? Yes, but I think you're getting a little over-concerned. I don't have any ailments. I'm not hearing voices. The only problem I'm having is that I can't do enough. Well, no one is saying that you are not doing enough. You are doing more than we can possibly imagine. I mean, in that quite literally... <laughs> he kind of, you know, eyes wide. But if there's a cost, is you being around? That is not a cost that we are willing to pay. We can find other ways of doing things that will not harm you and will not take you from us. We do not want to lose someone else. Hmm? And he kind of leans back 
what I do always is going to have an effect on me and hopefully not on the ones around me. So since I'm the only one that seems interested or able to do these things, you will have to accept the fact that I won't be okay at some point. Yeah, yeah okay, perhaps. <clears throat> okay, so surgery, yeah? It is, if you wish to cut through a bone, you use a saw. It's a very good tool. It's a very good tool for cutting off through the bone. It is a horrible tool for cutting everything else. Yeah. So what you are, uh, what you have used so far is a very skillful, very sharp saw, and you have skillfully used it like a surgeon. However, perhaps it is time for us to find you other tools, scalpel things that you can use that perhaps will not hurt you in the same way or after at all. Yeah? And time is something that we seem to have a glut of at this moment. Now, and when I say that we should keep an eye on Miss Lane, I only say it in a, the capacity of a friend and a doctor who cares. She is exhibiting uncharacteristic symptoms currently and her, she is wearing something that I have not seen before. And I have reason to believe that there are items in this world that could very well affect the mental state of the bearer or the holder solely by existing. Hmm? I would agree with that. I would also suggest that while we have this abundance of time, that some people need to be alone, not watched, not coddled, not anything. Maybe she, maybe she needs time too. And I would say, yes, she's being uncharacteristic. Now, if she asks us to like, you know, jump over the side and go catch a whale. Okay. Then we'll stop her. But at this point, I don't see that she's hurting anybody. No, nor do I. And that's if I did not say we should intervene. All I am saying is that we should keep an eye on her so that if she does get to the point where she is wanting to go catching the veil, that we are there to say, no, you do not jump in the water because we are here to help you. Yeah? Not going to hover. We are not going to stand right behind her and say, no, no, no. Little baby child, don't do that. Everyone passes his grief in their own way. But there is a certain limit to which we should allow if there is harm to herself or anyone nearby then we must intervene yeah yeah I agree Wunderbar. that being said Doc pours himself a heady glass of wine to that end Miss Lane the side of the ferry now that you're getting closer and closer to France is peaceful it's quiet it's Definitely not the same sort of almost party atmosphere that the inside of the ferry has become. It's been a few hours now, and as the time has passed, it's fairly clear that the folks inside are imbibing quite a bit as the uh, sound level continues to rise and rise. And so your exit stage left was fortuitous. The channel is mostly quiet. There doesn't seem to be a ton of weather uh, keeping you from 
making mainland, which is good. Uh, but you are able to drown everything out with the, just the sounds of the ocean out here. And I lean over the, the railing and kind of look around to see if there's anybody around. Am I pretty alone out there? Out here? Um, I don't know about alone, but you're, you're, there's no one within, say, 10 feet of you. Okay. And it's dark. It's darker. Um, I would say that it's not super dark, but it's darker. Okay. I um, look to make sure that none of my comrades have followed me out. Doesn't seem like it. And I take the Ankh necklace. I pull it out from because it's been kind of weighing on me all day. Like, it just... I don't know. I, I felt like there was something powerful there, I guess. Mm-hmm. I So I take it out, and I just kind of... I, I look at it, and I, I can feel the weight of it in my hand. Mm-hmm. The... Like the lines and the curves in the in the necklace itself. I'd like to do psychometry on it. Okay, so go ahead and roll your psychometry. Oh, then I'm gonna lose all my sanity. And may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> um, and I have a fifty. I'd like to spend three luck to get down to the fifty. Sure. So you take it out and concentrate for several moments. And as you concentrate on the ridges and the sharpened, almost teeth-like barbs that are in the side of this necklace, you get a distinct and growing impression that it is a wellspring of energy. Just looking down at it in your mind's eye, you see what feels like and sounds like a fountain. It almost sounds like a waterfall of continuously rushing water spilling out around you. And your vision goes to a desk. You see the necklace there on the desk. And you see very well-manicured fingers pick it up and almost consider it as if they're looking at it from every angle. And as they face it back over, You see the eye move slowly back and forth until it comes to the standard home position that you remember it as. And then on the air there in this room, this study, you hear a record playing. You hear a woman singing. And she's singing a very strange and almost harmonic sound. It's it's as if her words are being amplified and echoing around the room in a way that belies the size of this room. It's as if she's standing in a cathedral and speaking and singing, and yet the room can't seem to capture all the sound at once. And at first you have no clear idea what she's saying, but after a moment you begin to understand the words coming out of her mouth, each one in time. And you can hear that she is raising her voice in almost this song-like prayer to a being beyond. The power of it overwhelms you, and it snaps you out of your trance. I'm probably shaking a little bit after that uh, that encounter. 
and you need to, you need to roll me one d6, please. A two. All right, lose two points of magic. That's what it costs you. You hedge magician, you. <laughs> I take a look at the the necklace again. I focus on the eye that's on the necklace. Yeah. It, it's not moving, right? No. Oh, that's good. <laughs> no, it's totally stationary. I put it back in. Put it back into my shirt and button up my blouse to keep it hidden and figure I should talk to Maeve about it at some point, but this is probably not the right time for it. That's the decision you make. Take a deep breath and straighten myself out internally as much as I can. Okay. Mentally. And I head back inside. You can see that Europe is here. It's right there. You're going to be landing soon. I go to find my, uh, my friends. Well, there they are, right where you'd left them, at least most of them. Staring at each other angrily. Right. (laughs) Can I feel the tension when I walk up? Maybe, yeah. But you also hear that the staff are making the announcement that Kelly uh, is in sight and the ferry will be landing soon. So please prepare yourself and your passports for inspection. Oh, it sounds like we are here and... Good timing, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is everything okay? Oh, yeah. Nothing bad has ever happened in France. We will be fine. I mean, like, <laughs> right here, Doctor, not in France. Oh. Well, I mean, where we are. We no, will be good. okay. Oh. You guys are very convincing. There were things that we needed to talk about. And did you talk about them? Well, for the most part. Did you do a lot of the talking, Doctor? I usually do, don't I? I Finishes know. off the glass of wine. <laughs> Clink. <laughs> now, let's get, let us get off this boat. You guys collect your things, and Doctor, you collect your patient, and you get into another queue where you go through a little bit of, uh, you know, declaring what you're here to do and making sure they check over your passports and that sort of thing. Now, given what the party may or may not be carrying into France. Most of the guns went into the fake bottom of the uh, shrunk. Which means we need to make a roll for that to see if you can successfully smuggle them into France. If they want to dig all those books out of there to find them, I guess, they can go ahead and do that. Well, they do search uh, most of, not in a violent way or not in a, they just open up cases they make sure that things are in order and that sort of thing uh when the person gets to your your steamer trunk that the doctor bought for you Mm -hmm. they move it slightly before opening and you can hear from where you're standing you can hear things shift in the lower portion of that and you see the inspector stop and then like kind of screw up his features and look down at the case like the steamer trunk and then he asks you to open it. Oh, I open it. Uh, sorry, I've collected so many things, and I open it, and there's like book stacks of books. There's probably the you know whatever other trinkets we've collected, not the sharp ones because that's on my thigh. Sure. He looks down at your things and um, kind of assesses you for a moment. Uh, is this uh, everything? Oh, um, I have this, you know, I, like, pull out one of my father's journals. Like, oh, I have these books, too. No, no, the, the books are fine. Uh, he kind of takes the steamer trunk a bit and lifts it just slightly off the ground. 
It's, uh, it's quite heavy. Have you never carried around a lot of books? Now you did it. Hmm. I'm just saying, here's my bag. It's pretty heavy. I've been carrying it around. Um, you and you, he uh, points to a couple of the other inspectors here. Uh, take this and uh, take it to the table over there. Ugh. They take things aside and they start going through the trunk piece by piece. Your books get set out in stacks. Your clothes very respectfully get portioned properly. They put their hands in the case and you can see them pressing down on it and trying to like pull out on it. But for whatever reason, they can't seem to get the false bottom that there is open, although they are trying. You're not sure if they've identified what it actually is yet, but they do seem to be judging the weight with everything out of the case, out of the steamer trunk already, and they seem to be a little confused by that. The inspector turns around and comes back over. Mike? Yes, James? Standing next to the trunk, can I shake my bag with Betty in there in a way that would be close to the same sound? No, they take the, they take the trunk away from okay. you all. Okay. So it's, it's at least 15 right. feet away from you. I um, approach the officer. He comes over towards you, Miss O'Shea. Uh, just one moment, ma'am. Um, Miss, uh, he looks over the passports again. Miss O'Shea, um, he kind of closes your passport. Is there um, anything about your case you would like to enlighten me to? It's, it was a gift. Uh, from, um... Excuse me, sir, is there a problem... Yeah, I believe so. Miss Lane here is on a very tight schedule. Officer, these are my assistants. That trunk belongs to me, and we are already running late as it is. We have to make the Orient Express. You're bound for Paris? Yes. Yes. If we do not make Paris in a specific time, I lose money. And if I lose money, somebody will be hearing about it quite a substantial amount of money. Do you want me to roll perform like I'm like like scared, like sad? Oh, yeah, absolutely. See, let's see if he can he'll buy your acting. Um Miss Lane roll credit rating. You need a hard success, Miss Lane. Sixty two out of sixty eight. He seems to be buying it for the moment. Oh motherfucker. Um I got a eighty one out of eighty five. Okay, so that's not a hard success. So what does it take to get a hard success? It would take uh, 42 42. at least. So if you want... I can push it? Yes, but you have to tell me how you're going to push it. So when you tell him you're on a tight schedule and that you're good, you stand to lose money, he doesn't really seem to be phased by any of that. I I approach him again. Okay. Respectfully, not like in his face. I don't go all caring on him. You approach him. I, I apologize for being so brash, but if I don't make it to the Louvre in Paris to be able to appraise the art that my father wants me to purchase, we lose money. My family loses money. We, we want to take it back to America with us. Do I get a, did I get a roll for lying? Sure, I'll let you push the roll. So push your credit rating. Roll again. Mm-hmm. Should we get like 100? That'd be super awesome. That'd be terrible. <laughs> that would be terrible. I get a 59. Okay, so... Or, yes. Yes. So, how much I need... You huh? can't, move, you can't oh, use yeah, lock can't on use a push, push. He says, well, I'm sure that you'll have a chance to get to Paris perhaps in the next week, Miss Lane. 
No, no, no. We we need to go because we have to catch the Orient Express oh. afterwards. You're not going anywhere like this, not with whatever is in the bottom of that case. My men will get to the bottom of whatever is in there. It is at least 10 pounds overweight. You are carrying yeah, something yeah. in that case. Have you never had a case made out of oak? Sir, oak is one thing. I can hear something moving around in the bottom of it. No, you can't. You wait right there. Yeah, I will. No, you know what? In fact, why don't you go and you get a, an American uh, diplomat from the embassy, and they'll they'll tell you who she is and what she's doing here. Well, as far as I'm aware, you, who you are is irrelevant if you're smuggling things into France. No one's smuggling anything into France. We're moving through France into somewhere else. We're leaving here. Here, the locks on the on the bottom of the case go. Oh shit! You know what? What's the gun laws in no, France? No, wait, stop. I'm going to knock him the fuck out. Oh my god, we're going to okay. get arrested. Oh, Take your shit and get out. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, okay, so fighting brawl, he's not expecting it. Yeah. So he's surprised. You're trying to knock him out? Yeah, I'm going to try to knock him out. So knock out is a specific fighting maneuver. It's an actual maneuver in here. What's your build, Jack? My size is 60. Uh, build is an actual modifier for fighting. This is, it's totally something Jack would do, too. He would try to just knock him out. Oh, absolutely. Complete surprise. He doesn't get a dodge roll or a fighting back roll because you are literally surprising him. Yeah, go ahead and roll fighting brawl with a bonus die. <laughs> 36. Out of? 75. Okay, so it's a hard success. Roll damage. That's a uh, 3. It's okay. In a surprise to everyone, Jack turns and then pivots and hits this inspector directly in the face. And you see him crumple. Just, he completely falls flat. My eyes go directly to the people that were messing with the trunk. Do they run over? Well, they turn, yeah, because they're... He fell. And they start hustling over to him. I'm gonna step back behind everybody and run around to go lock the the uh, chest back up. Okay. I crouch down next to the guy on the ground. Don't worry, I am a doctor. Put my case down next to him and I shoo them back. Oh, be careful. This man needs air. Lane, what are you doing this site? I'm looking very surprised at Jack and... There's a ton of people around you who are like, what in the world? Like, what? What? Who? It doesn't seem like a whole lot of people saw what the, what the hell happened. He fainted. Somebody yeah, get somebody, a doctor. Yeah. Oh. Um. I. I think we need to make our leave. Like. Yeah. Like now. You get to your stuff and like relock the well, pin positions on the case. When I see them doing that, I gesture to the two guys that came over. Quick, we must get this man inside. Quick, hurry. Okay. I go over and grab our stuff. <laughs> Doctor, you get them quickly in order. Um, he's going to have one hell of a shiner on his face. The the inspector's assistants who are here are asking you, Doctor, like what happened. I, I they don't, don't understand what happened. I, I look at them. I, I don't know exactly. I will go find out. One moment. You know, watch him because he is okay. And I, I turn around, run out, and get on the damn train with everyone else. <laughs> okay. You all do a very hasty exit stage right from the inspection line. Cases kind of bounding after you. You're hustling out as uh, these men take <laughs> this inspector that Jack punched 
deeper inside their offices here. And you jump on a train bound for Paris. We're going to get arrested in Paris. Mm-hmm. Oh, shush. So good. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's so good. You get on the train. It means that you have to keep my name off of everything. Yeah, because he saw your passport. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if we're really going to play technicalities, he also knows that you're someone named Miss Lane. Yeah. And if that gets linked up with who you are. Obviously, uh, but she failed it. I'll be like somebody was impersonating me because by the time we get back, get to Paris, I'm going to go dress like a girl again. Yeah, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I need more pants. Right. Uh, So aboard this train, there is quite a selection of passengers. Um, This train is a lot nicer than the previous train that you were on. It is comfortable. It is quiet. And even as the train pulls out from the station here, you can tell there's something different about the very mechanics of what you're on now. The train seems a bit higher off of the tracks than you're used to. The excess noise that you're used to is dimmed. The finery, the tablecloths, the lighting, everything in here has been stepped up to something more luxurious. For some of you, it might even make you a little uncomfortable. The staff get you to your appointed first class rooms. They tell you that they expect to make Nord Station in Paris uh, by 10.30, 10.33, give or take. And that should you need anything over the next couple of hours, you have but to ask. There is some very lively jazz music coming from the saloon car up ahead. And there are some fairly well-dressed folks who are sipping drinks and smoking cigars or cigarettes and enjoying what appears to be a piano band. I'm going to put on one of my performance dresses. And uh, when they take a break, I'm going to ask if they would like a singer. Of course. The band welcomes you. If you're happy to sing, they ask you if you'd like any libations before you begin. Yeah, I will drink a lot. You have a few drinks, anything of your choices of champagnes, wines, etc. And you get settled into um, a couple of different musical numbers. What would you prefer to sing? What type of song? She usually did more upbeat, um, like swing kind of. It depended what the place called for, but she prefers a more upbeat music. So they probably step up to almost, um, although it's not of period yet, you get a, you get a, a little bit of a faster paced jazz music. It's not swing because technically swing isn't around just yet. Right. But the, yeah. Uh, and this is something that most of you can probably tap your feet to for sure. This isn't this uh, laid back lounge act that they were doing. This is something much more um, lively. Yeah. Give us a roll and see how well you do. Watch me fail. That was a 58 out of 68. Okay. Yeah. You put on a very entertaining first set. Your fellow passengers in the car here to Paris give you a, a nice round of applause when you're done. You, you probably feel a little uncomfortable at first because you haven't really stretched vocally in some time, uh, unless you count 
really getting that scratchy throat back at the uh, Miser yeah. house. But beyond that, it feels, you feel like you're stepping back into being who you are. Art is a way that you connect with yourself. And it's hard to, even as the song kind of ends and the applause continues, it's hard to get away from the fact that you lost that portion of yourself a little bit. And all of this time spent running around with cults and strange creatures and strange people. Uh, and for those of you who are watching Maeve sing, Jack, it brings back some very strange memories of the kiss. That's probably the last time you saw Miss O'Shea perform. And it wasn't but a few songs into it that you got wrongfully accused of a double murder. And it feels a little strange to see her back on stage. And you probably, in the back of your head, look around for anybody who might be shooting somebody else. Armed. <laughs> and so, the train ride continues. Night falls pretty heavily. It falls between martinis, the occasional bourbon, a series of wine glasses, and the relaxation that comes from putting hundreds of miles between you and where you once were. And you get that feeling that maybe that this transition through Europe headed towards your destination Egypt might just give you a little time to reinvent who you are, to leave England behind in multiple ways, if you have the strength to do it. And that is where I'm going to call this session to a close. So thank you so much for listening. We hope you are enjoying our Masks of Nirlathotep campaign, which has uh, slipped its way onto the Orient Express, bound for Paris and stops beyond. 